0: I'm sort of scouting the tables, and all I saw was this newspaper up at head height, shaking (laughs) like
1: this. I went
0: and looked behind the newspaper, and there was Chris, hand on heart.
2: I think Jess thought, oh, Robbie's going to spoil me for my one year anniversary. And he pulls out a ring, and boom, tears go out, and I kind of stuff up the rest of the song. Um...
3: Welcome back to the People of Perth podcast, a series all about the people who live in the most isolated city on the planet. If there's one thing that seems to be uniquely human, it's our desire to be loved. Whether it's family, your partner, even your friends, that sense of fulfillment we get from connecting with another human being, our human being, can play such a big role in our lives. In this episode, we're simply talking about love. I'm Carmen Braidwood, and these are the people of Perth.
4: Which story do we tell for that one? Uh. You tell
3: yours, and then I'll I'll go and fact check it with Paul. They say poetry is the language of love, and while it might not be for everybody, a few carefully chosen words that rhyme, or maybe delivered in a couplet, even a haiku, can have a very powerful effect. Like when Paul Woodham's drummed up the courage to propose to his wife Chris, he decided to take a leaf out of the old poet's book and jot down his thoughts to make sure she knew exactly how he. Felt felt. But before we hear that part of the story, let's go back to the very beginning and hear Chris's side of the tale.
4: I had a three-year-old daughter. I was on my own and I met Paul through a dating site and we met at the old tram, you know, the tram in Fremantle down on the foreshore there. That's where we met and Paul has a different story to tell about that one. But yeah, and haven't looked back. We met in 2005, got engaged 2006 and got married 2007. What a love story. Paul, what's the, what are the bits she's left out?
0: Oh, just that, uh, you know, our, 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 and I remember this vividly, our first date. We've been chatting online for a while. We were going through the dating app, but that was charging me every time I wanted to communicate. So we soon worked out that hang on a minute, we could be doing this on our own, you know, without me having to pay a fortune just to talk to you. So oh, I was we- worth it though. <laughs> So we got off the chat line and um, went to, I think it was Messenger or something like that. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but she played hard to get. She, um, like, used to, I used to say, so where do you live? Where do you live? And she'd go, Wisteria Lane, Wisteria Lane. That's from Debra uh, Housewives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I
4: had, a, I had a three-year-old daughter, so I'm thinking, yeah. you could be an accident. Yeah, man. exactly. So I'll just give you the bare basics. I'll get yeah. to know you. And it was probably about six months into the relationship before he even met my daughter.
0: Yeah, and so I finally convinced her to, okay, let's meet for coffee at least and, and so I was down at the tram in Fremantle opposite the Esplanade Hotel there and I remember getting out of the car and walking up to the tram and I'm, I'm sort of scouting the tables and all I saw was this newspaper up at head height shaking like this <laughs> and, and this newspaper was shaking and I thought, well, so I went and looked behind the newspaper and there was Chris. I'd, she, no,
4: I'd never done anything <laughs> like that before so I was absolutely terrified. So what, yeah. what
3: was really going through your head as that newspaper sat there in
4: front of your face? I'm just thinking, please don't be ugly. <laughs> please don't be ugly. Because, you know, like dating sites, they never look like their picture or anything like that. But no. And yeah, the rest is history. You but say was, you never look back. Never look back.
0: Yeah, everything happened pretty quick. We, um, so that was 2005. Five. And then we got engaged in 2006. And that was at, like I, I took her to, um, it was Valentine's Day and I took her to the Essex, it's not the Essex anymore, but a really nice restaurant there in, in Essex Street in, in Frio and I took her there and uh, like had the ring. and um, But the ring came in this massive box, you know, as they do and I thought I'll just leave that in the car, which was silly when I think back. And so we had our Valentine's Day dinner and I said, uh, okay, let's go for a walk. And so we went for a walk. Um, and I said, oh, I've just, I just need to go via the car to grab something. And she goes, oh, I'll come with you. And I go, no, it's okay. You wait here, I'll go to the car. And she goes, no, no, I'll come with you. And I go, so, <laughs> you know, the ring's under the <laughs> driver's side seat. So I've gone and I, I've gone into the back of the car to reach under the front seat. And she's going, what are you doing? And I'm saying, I'm just, and I have my jacket on and I'm going, I'm just taking my jacket off and, I, and I'm going, oh, and I threw it on the floor and I've sort of leaned down. And,
4: and it was cold.
0: And, and, yeah, <laughs> it, it was, was cold. <laughs> So I stuffed this ring box in my pocket and, you know, so so I've done this and I've pulled my shirt over the top of it and and I've come and I've come to the the right-hand side of her so she wouldn't see the ring box and I've sort of grabbed her around the arm and I've said, right, let's go for a walk. And, you know, I'm pretty not stressed out but I was nervous, you know, I'm about to pop the question and everything so I've frog-marched her around, Fremantle around, down near Cicerellos and that and all the walls. Along and, the
4: boardwalk. I'm wearing <clears> heels and I kept getting stuck in between <laughs> on the boardwalk. And I'm like, for God's sake, just slow down. Were you so, suspicious by this stage? Had you cottoned once on something frog was marching up? me around? I'm kinda of going, right, something's not right here. <laughs> There's something going on. So. so anyway,
0: I um what I'd done, I'd written her a poem, an engagement poem, you know. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna do the really romantic thing here. So I thought I'll take her to where we first met, to the to the tram, and I'm gonna propose to her by reading this poem. And so I had the poem in my pocket and yeah, after the frog march, we arrived at the tram and it was pitch black, like all the lights were out. It was pitch black and I'm thinking, how am I going to, lucky i memorized the poem because I've sort of got it out and I've read it and, you know, proposed and um, thankfully she said yes.
3: What did you think of the poem?
4: I was surprised, very surprised. It was very romantic, which, um, yeah, blew me away. Totally. Did it rhyme? It did, yeah, and he even he did a poem for our wedding day as well.
3: Oh, well, so, you know my next question. Paul, how much of either poem do you recall? Oh, well, that's a damn
0: good question. I could probably the engagement one more than the wedding one because we actually got married in Bali. Chris on her mother's side has got a very large family and we actually had a place booked here in Perth to get married, but when all the arguments started about, you know, oh, Uncle this and Auntie this had got to come and, you know, cousin... Were, We looked at each other and said, you know what, bugger the deposit, we're going to run away to Bali, we'll invite everyone and only the ones that really want to be there will come. And that's the way it turned out. It was amazing. So... It was good. Yeah, it was. It was great. So we hired this villa over there and it was owned by a couple of Australians from Melbourne. Had the wedding there and also we stayed in the villa for the honeymoon for another couple of weeks, which was really good. Sounds like heaven. It It was. was. Yeah, it was great.
4: Our friends still talk about that, the Mm. wedding, even now.
0: Because it was a type of wedding where we we got married in the villa a couple of hours before the wedding. The lady that was doing Chris's hair showed up. So she got out of the pool. Mm -hmm. I stayed in the pool. And, of course, the villa had 10 staff that were – so, you know, I'd be drinking my bintang and, you know, you'd just finish your bintang, put it on the side of the pool. And and you'd hear this another bing ten, Mister Paul. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, no worries. So,
3: so is this your long way of telling me you actually didn't remember the poem? No, I do remember the poem. I do. I... You could be forgiven for thinking that people who run dating events are already in relationships. I mean, it makes sense that someone who's found a person they want to be with might want to help others do the same. But for Yvonne Fletcher, who runs many singles
5: events, there's something much closer to her heart than finding another person for her life right now. Nearly seven years for me now, being a single parent, and I have dated in that time, but um, I think I get a bit stuck in my ways
3: now. Oh yeah, you're you're who you are? Yeah, and I'm very
5: accepting of... I just, yeah, I'm very accepting, I'm very protective of my kids. So I'm very amicable with my ex-husband and we parent very, very well together, which is great. And, you know, that's why we can support each other in our parenting roles and we back each other up, which is great for the kids. They know that, you know, mum and dad love them and it's really important to me that my children have both parents helping. So,
3: Did any of those singles events you managed turn up a relationship for you?
5: No, I pretend to be married.
3: What?! (laughs) That's interesting. What do you do? Put a ring on. Oh, you have one on now.
5: On the wrong hand. hand. I put this. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you my secrets here. Um, I put this on my hand. It's a ring that my grandmother and grandpa gave me when I was 14. I do that because I just don't feel it's professional as a host to be hitting on the clientele. So I pretend to be married. And um, yeah,
3: I love that is really interesting. <laughs> I, I can understand your yeah your angle with wanting to avoid the professional complication that might come from yeah. meeting someone. But do you think that in your life there's room for a partner again?
5: Um I'd like to say yes. Um yeah, like I said, I have, I, I did, in that seven years, I did have like an 18 month relationship and I dated another guy for about four months. I'll be honest, I don't want to compromise who I am again. And I think that's, you know, the 40 plus year old yeah. stubborn self where, you know, when I was 20, I was like, oh, it's all about feeling and love. And and I Things love that. Change. Things yeah. change. I have three kids now who, and I've got a business which I love and, um, I don't want to compromise who I am, but I wouldn't want someone else to compromise who they are either. So is there room? Maybe one day.
3: But right now, Yvonne's going pretty well.
5: <laughs> I'm very
3: happy for myself, yeah. Some members of the Perth community have had their feelings of love challenged by others over the years. But in 2017, Australia voted that love is just that, love, and equal marriage rights have applied for all ever since. So, where did Chris Lundstrom look when he was trying to find a connection? Well, I think you'll find
1: it's all in the name.
4: Tell
3: me about how you met your
1: partner. Literally at Connections.
3: Was that a regular part of your weekly routine to pop into
1: Connie's? <clears throat> Up until 2018, I started going to Connections for bingo. One particular night, I'm there with friends. We're having a few drinks. It's cliche as our eyes literally met from across the room, and I looked at them and I thought, those eyes are so deep, they're so beautiful, I just, oh, I'm probably not this type, and just moved on. And then some time after that, I get a friend request on Facebook. And I have a thing about buffering people, because you get so many really bizarre and obscure random requests. Thing. And then I was at the Tiki's bar, so in Northbridge, which is right next to Connections, I was there with some friends and then I looked at one of the bartenders shaking a cocktail and I thought, there's something about you. And I went through my entire Facebook list and sent this gorgeous guy, hi, are you the bartender at Tiki? No, but they make a mean cocktail and then that descended into oh, are you a gamer? You can add me on Steam. And then I checked the the shared gaming list and I said, have you ever played a game called Boulder's Gate? My only favourite game ever. Bang, this is the one. Speed Dating 101. I literally met my boyfriend playing Boulder's Gate. (laughs) And so it's those running jokes back and forth. It's every franchise's fandom's best part, couple's goals when you see Morticia and Gomez just having jokes about the the bizarre weirdness of their life, which is so normal for them. I now actually have this. I've won my game of life. Anything after this now is just window dressing.
3: As a musician, Ari is no stranger to love. He knows the rules, so do I. So when our mutual friend Robbie hired him to serenade his future wife as he popped the question, it left Ari with a really great story to tell.
2: He took Jess to a lovely park north of the river. I think it was um North Beach somewhere. Sorry, Robbie. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> very important. It, to them. <laughs> yes, and it was it was such a beautiful moment, I forgot a lot of the detail, but he took Jess there for the one year anniversary. Um, and didn't, obviously didn't, didn't tell Jess. And I'm grateful that either he's really um, persuaded Jess to be a fan of mine or she's (laughs) really a fan of mine as well. And, um, um, we, he just surprised her, the walked into the park and Jess literally said complete surprise, complete genuine surprise, Ari, what are you doing here? And then boom, he puts out the rug, wine and, and cheeses. And I just played all of their favorite songs for them. And, what a it,
3: romantic. and
2: then during um, Perfect, Ed Sheeran's Perfect and hand on heart, I think Jess thought, oh, Robbie's going to spoil me for my one year anniversary. Yeah. That's all because that's that's Jess. And, and she's that's lovely. all you might
3: expect. Too. Exactly.
2: And it's yeah. a year. Sometimes, you know, people are engaged for 12 years or they never get married mm. and right through Perfect. Robbie goes back. looks like he's grabbing for cheese. And Jess is just looking kind of swaying to Ed Sheeran. Um, he pulls out a ring and boom, the tears go out. And I kind of stuff up the rest of the song. (laughs) Um, um, you know, how do you, how do you, right? It's just the three of you. And it's like, you know, baby. (laughs) You're
4: an emotional man.
2: Yeah. And they made me emotional. It was such a beautiful moment. And, um, I think that was the last song because I don't think I would have been. Yeah, I don't think I played anymore after that. I wasn't able to.
3: And the other thing I want to know about your music is I've noticed uh, through seeing you play live that you do write a few songs about your wife and dedications
2: <laughs> to her. You know, there's here's here's a story that not many people know about um, because Robbie. Uh, this is a bit of a plug for their wedding, but um, <laughs> uh, there's no greater compliment. There's literally no greater compliment. Sorry for anyone who's ever given me a compliment. No greater compliment than Jess and Robbie asking that I play my song during their ceremony. I mean, the musicians, that's it. I mean, you, you're asked to play at a wedding win mm-hmm. um, to be asked to play that song. And that song's about my wife. But we'd been married for 17 years before I wrote a song about wow. my wife. And the way they, that came about was she was away for a really long time, wanted to help some people in Thailand. How long is a piece of string? Try seven and a half months. Wow. So, um, the, the, the times that she was supposed to come back, it couldn't work out the times I was supposed to take leave. The dog got really sick and, and, and all this in seven and a half months, but you know, Facebook, Skype, all that stuff. And for the first few months of that, every time I called her, I I felt guilty after the fact, every time I called her, I kept telling her, man, I, it, I just really miss you. This all is, you had to say was I miss yeah, you. Yeah, I either. miss you. I miss you. I miss you. Um, and then uh, it just, I had this sudden epiphany, like, oh my goodness, I'm only missing Pat. <laughs> but the other way around, she's missing. And and, and I actually oh. like visualized in my head, yeah, I said, well. you're missing your lover, your dogs, you're missing your home, your zone, you're missing your comfort zone, you're missing your friends and family, you're missing the country that's become your home. She's, she became a citizen 10 years ago and it just flipped. And and you I
3: empathized on th- a whole yeah, other level. Yeah,
2: empathized. And coincidentally, this is this universal synchronicity thing a chat we had like a couple of weeks later, she'd noticed that I was kind of a bit more sprightly, you know, and like I wouldn't, I wouldn't start the conversation like, Oh, I miss you. Mm. You know? Um, she's like, you know, what's, what's going on? Well, I just, yeah, just, it just occurred to me that, um, I really appreciate what you're doing over there. And, uh, I know we'll see each other soon. And, sh- and sh- her words were, well, if you have that much feeling and emotion, how about just put it into a song? <laughs> she didn't say about her, no. but it kind of hit me as, as a, Dagger right in my heart going, oh my goodness, I've never written a song about Pat. I'd written songs about my dogs, random people I'd met in Fremantle. I'd written songs about my guitar, my old car in university. I'd never written a song about Pat. And she wasn't saying, gosh darn it, Ari, 17 no, years, write a song about me. She
3: was saying write about the emotion yeah, of, of feeling something for her.
2: Exactly. And so yeah. I wrote the song and excitedly played it for her via Facebook messenger. And, and again, this is why I love her. So humbling. Um, it's a really long song. Um, and that's why Robbie's picked it. Um, the, the, so I don't have to play two songs for the signing of the register, just one long song. Oh, yeah. um, but um, I played it for her and her response was just mint. Um, what I was expecting was, oh my goodness, that's like the best song I've ever heard in my life. And thank you, thank you. That's what I was expecting and maybe kind of wanting. But the spiritual statement is the universe often gives you what you need not what you want so she gave me what I needed there's a gap for about two seconds suspense and I'm waiting for it and she goes hmm how long is that song no no kidding and I said um, I don't know it's well I've added that long but it's about six and a half minutes long she goes six and a half minutes long that's never gonna get on the radio (laughs) I kid you not. I kid you not. And then something happened, like um, either a buzz or an alarm in the back, and and she's like, oh, i got to go.
3: I love that story.
2: (laughs) But um, uh, that song made it to the radio, so yay.
3: Oh, well, that's fantastic. (laughs) Next time on the People of Perth podcast, we'll tackle something that's really been put in the spotlight for 2020, mental health. We'll hear from Sharon about the challenges of working in what she thought was her dream job. If you want change in life, if you're not happy, you just
0: need to do something about it.
3: And Brett Deller opens up about his journey from dealing with depression to helping others fight the black dog.
0: did a three and a half day workshop designed just for men and it just, it changed my life.
3: This podcast series is made possible thanks to interviews with the members of the Perthling Facebook group. If you'd like to be part of future Perthling projects, head to the link in this episode's description and join on in. The People of Perth podcast is produced by Bad Bard Productions and presented by me, Carmen Braidwood. I hope you'll join us next time for more stories from the world's most isolated city. Thanks for listening.